What's up, friend? Welcome back to the Out of the Cave podcast with Lisa Schlossberg. This is me, Lisa Schlossberg, and this podcast is dedicated to helping you heal your relationship with food. If you're new here or if you're just jumping in, that is the intention of everything we're talking about today is really just how do you come back into your body and start operating from a place of love, connection, and alignment with yourself around food, eating, and body image. So today, I'm excited to have this conversation. I'm also a little scared to have this conversation. (laughs) Um, But what I want to do today is really continue the conversation from last episode. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I would recommend starting there. Um, But just as a kind of general recap, what we were talking about last time was the distinction between doing and being and more specifically just in a general sense the doing state and the being state so how that manifests for a lot of us is when we're in a doing state right and we're thinking and thinking and producing and creating and giving and operating and functioning and over functioning and we're planning and scheduling and using the calendar and looking at the clock and all of that stuff um, a lot of us have become somewhat imbalanced in the conversation when we're talking about doing and being. There's a lot more doing than there is being. And the reason that's important is because you, my friend, are a human being, not a human doing. So what I'm talking about is creating balance and just understanding that none of this way of operating is bad or wrong. We don't want to demonize it or pathologize it. But rather, we want to consider it the quote-unquote problem, meaning the solution is actually balance. So the problem being imbalance, the solution being balance. So that today, we can talk about what that actually looks like and what that actually means and how you can actually start to integrate this around food, eating, and nutrition specifically. And before we talk about food and eating and nutrition specifically, I think it's important just to kind of shout out the way that how this manifests around food and eating is not different than how it manifests in other areas of life. So I think sometimes part of the obstacle with treating something like quote unquote disordered eating is that we think of it as different than everything else. It's food. It must operate differently. And in some ways that definitely is true right? Like there's no abstinence, for example. So in some ways, we can't treat it like other things, other addictions and such. But in other ways, it is exactly the same. And so I'm sharing that because before we get into the specifics of food and nutrition in this way, I think it's important to just know that. That is, if we look at your relationships, for example, we can look at doing and being in that context as well. And for a lot of us, especially if we have more codependent tendencies in our relationships. Well, what that might look like is that you're not being yourself, right? You're not feeling your feelings in touch with your authenticity, sharing your beliefs, but you're doing, you're performing, you're doing what other people want you to do, or you're doing what other what you think other people want you to do. You're showing up in a way that is more doing than being. And so it's just to say that this is not just important because of the way that it manifests around food, but that it's important just because of the human life that you're living. And honestly, how to have the best time while you're here. And that's really why I believe 
the episode that came before this had to come before this. I don't think we can talk about food and eating and how to integrate this stuff around nutrition in an everyday life kind of way if we're not understanding the root of what's really going on here and having that kind of background information. So having said all that, having covered all of that, what I want to talk about today is nutrition. And this is a loaded topic because um, there are a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different opinions, like I shared last time. And my interest is not getting you to really align with any one camp or belief system, but really to help you get back in touch with you and what works for you and with you. So we are going to talk about the kind of nuts and bolts of food and nutrition today. Um, But before I do that, there are a few things that I also think are just important to clarify about where I'm coming from. Those of you who are listening to this podcast and have never worked with me directly, it may not be, you may not know. And some of these things I think are really worth clarifying around just the perspective and the belief system of the person who's sharing this stuff with you before we get into, again, the the granular, let's say. (laughs) So the first thing that I want to talk about when it comes to food and our relationship with food is when we talk about quote-unquote healthy versus quote-unquote unhealthy food. And the reason that I'm saying this is because unhealthy and healthy can feel like the dichotomy of good and bad food. And we talked about in our last episode, the reason that we don't create a dichotomy of good and bad food, the reason that doesn't work and is not sustainable for the mind-body system is because ultimately good and bad lead to a kind of system in the brain of shame and pride right so you eat some foods you feel good about yourself you feel you eat other foods you feel badly about yourself and ultimately what that does is create in the mind body perspective the physiology of safety versus danger so that when you're eating some foods you feel safe and when you're eating other foods the inner dialogue and the conversation around it really feels unsafe and so that's why we can't do the good bad food thing however For some people, when we start talking about the words healthy and unhealthy, it does have that kind of dichotomy to it and it does have that kind of feel to it for some people. So that's why it can feel tricky to even have this conversation because as much as I do not want to perpetuate for anyone that there is good and bad food or that some foods are quote unquote better than others, um, I'm going to just kind of shout this out because here's the here's the stickiness here's why it's not that simple and straightforward and why again I think it's important to clarify these terms before we get into it one of the reasons people don't like using healthy and unhealthy the words to describe food is because it's not always the full picture and it's not always completely true meaning We talked about already the way that we can expand our understanding of and definition of health. So it's not just physical health, right? What we have is physical health, sure, that's important and that matters, but we also have our mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, social health, environmental health, financial health. There are all these different kinds of health. And so we understand that health is multifaceted. And because health is that pie chart, all those different kinds, it can be considered, quote unquote, healthy 
to allow yourself the freedom to eat when you're emotional and use food to avoid feeling your feelings. In the grand scheme of life and in the balance of being an emotional being as well as a physical being, we could definitely consider sometimes that bowl of ice cream that you're eating healthy for your mind-body connection, for your relationship with yourself, for a sense of freedom and peace and ultimately safety. That's really important. So it is, we could argue in some ways when it comes to social health, mental, emotional health, spiritual health, we could argue that you eating, again, I'll just use a bowl of ice cream, for example, um, we could say that that's healthy because you're helping to create that safety in the internal environment. And that's really important. So even though many of us would not consider it quote unquote healthy in the physical dimension, there's a lot of value to consider that health is more than physical and health Health is more than physical in terms of the food that we're eating. So it's not always simple. You know, it's, it's actually oversimplified to say that some foods are healthy and some foods are not healthy because that's looking at simply and strictly the physical dimension. And we have established here that you are way more than physical. So just to give some context to why some people don't like using healthy and unhealthy and why in some ways I think that's very helpful and I'm really aligned with that. Now on that note, kind of just expanding on that a little bit further, something that I hear and have read from the intuitive eating movement is the argument or the perspective that foods, all foods, should have equal moral value. Okay, and that's going back to that idea of not having good and bad food. And so what they're saying is the example that I've heard before is a carrot and a piece of carrot cake should have equal moral value. And what they're saying there is that if you eat a carrot, you shouldn't feel good about yourself. And if you eat a piece of cake, you shouldn't feel bad about yourself. Equal moral value. What foods you choose to feed yourself don't say anything about you as a person, your morals, your ethics, the value that you have as a human, okay? So I am completely on board with that. I am 100% aligned with that belief system that food should have no, or let's say equal moral value. Okay, now having said that, <laughs> here's things that I think are important to consider from a mind-body perspective. Two things. One is that even though a carrot and a piece of carrot cake should have equal moral value, I'm not really concerned with having a conversation around morals and food. I don't think they should, again, have anything to do with each other. But a carrot and a piece of carrot cake are different in two main ways that, are, that I am concerned with. And one of those is the nutritional value. So just the, the fact that they do different things inside the body. They affect the body differently. One is made up of, one is a vegetable and one is primarily sugar. So we just want to look at, again, the, the physical dimension factual basis. <laughs> that is a carrot and a piece of carrot cake are going to affect your body in very different ways. And so that's not coming from a place of fear, shame, guilt, blame a diet culture mentality that's just coming from looking at the facts of what 
makes up a carrot and what makes up a piece of cake. So there's different nutritional value. That's the first thing. And the other thing, the second thing that is important to consider about the difference between a carrot and a piece of carrot cake, especially if you're someone that identifies as an emotional eater, is the neurobiological value of those foods. And what that means is really just how they affect your brain and the brain science and the result of the neurotransmitters that are released in your brain when you eat them. So again, even though equal moral value is true, the feeling that you get when you eat them is different, right? So think about how it feels emotionally when you eat a carrot and how does it feel emotionally when you eat a piece of cake? Well, there's a lot more dopamine and serotonin being released in your brain when you eat a piece of cake. And that's just factually, neurobiologically true. So this isn't a conversation about morals. This isn't a conversation about shame and pride. This isn't a conversation about you being a good or bad person. It is a conversation about nutrition. And I think we need to not get that lost in the conversation of saying they're equal moral value. We know that. We agree on that. But we do want to consider the consequences and the side effects and the aftermath of our choices and of our, ultimately, our eating habits and the things that we're putting into our body. So I just want to be really clear that I'm coming from a place not of um, good and bad and right and wrong and should and shouldn't, but I do think that there is still room for the conversation around nutrition and, again, the neurobiological effect and value of the food that we're eating. That's what I want to talk about. So I'm in this place where I agree we don't want to split foods into good and bad. We don't want to create a dichotomy of healthy and unhealthy because health is more than physical. I agree with all of that and I think that's all very important for the psychological component of this conversation. And I do want to leave space for the physical reality of things. That is not all foods do the same thing in your body. And if you do want to have health, right? If you want to have a long, healthy, happy life, well, the food that you eat is going to have an effect on that. It's just part of that lifestyle. So I think I exist in this kind of gray area um, where it's not about morals and value and your worth as a person. Um, but I do think it's important to be educated about the result of the food that you feed yourself so that you can be free from the rules. You can be empowered to exist around food the way that works for you and ultimately live a life that is yours, not one that is a product of the diet industry or the anti-diet industry. Now, on that note, similarly, I know last time we talked about the concept of bio-individuality and how every body is different everybody is different. <laughs> and really what that means is, I mean, just think about everyone is different, not just in their thoughts and feelings and beliefs and perspectives, but also on the physical dimension. We all have different genes. We come from different places. We have different allergies and sensitivities. Um, our culture is different around food. Our family ancestry is different around food. So just where we come from in all the ways, we have to consider bio-individuality and the fact that what works for one person won't necessarily work for another person. There is no right and wrong when it comes to this conversation. Now, having said that, I think another important concept to understand and really just be educated about because this isn't common knowledge. These aren't things that we're taught. So another thing that I think is really important for you to just know about the body that you're living in is this concept of adding in and crowding out. And what that means is let's just start from the beginning. 
okay, your body in the physical dimension is made up of bacteria, tons and tons and tons of bacteria. And so the way the, the body works, the way being made up of all these bacteria work is that when you're feeding yourself, let's say really highly processed, high sugar, high calorie, hyper palatable foods, the bacteria in your body learn to survive off that kind of food. And so you probably in your life have experienced this in real time where if you're feeding yourself a lot of processed food, you're getting a lot of takeout, you're doing a lot of fast food, something like that, you may have noticed that you start craving it more. You get the temptation for it. You get the craving for it more often. And then you find yourself in this loop where the more you eat it, the more you want it. And the more you want it, the more you eat it. And that's just because your body physically has this bacteria and that's the way it works. And the good news is that it also works the same way on the quote unquote other side of the spectrum when it comes to the more healthy, real, natural, whole foods. So if you're eating a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruits, a lot of things that are coming from the earth and are naturally grown here, not processed in a factory somewhere when you start eating more whole natural food your body starts to crave those foods and I'll speak to this just from my own personal experience that when I was growing up as a kid and I had no intention of eating healthy food I was eating I was really using food more like a drug than I was eating food for my physical body and so for me there was never any intention to eat anything like a salad And then when I started my weight loss, which again, I'll be the first to say it was not the healthiest journey through weight loss, but I did notice and experience that once I started feeding myself real food, like quote unquote healthy food, the food that was doing positive things for my body on the inside, when I was feeding myself more of that, I actually started wanting more of it. And I remember getting to a place where I was absolutely just floored. I was so shocked that I actually wanted to eat something like a vegetable. I was actually choosing to eat something like a salad. And again, it's like if you knew me as a kid, you knew how absolutely crazy that was. That not that I was forcing myself to eat something or yeah, just white knuckling my way through a salad. That's not what it was. It got to a point where if I had the choice, what I wanted was food that was healthy for my body and that was really nutritious. And that was, again, just extremely shocking to me. But the reason that I'm telling you this is not just because your body's made of bacteria and that's the way that it works, but because of the concept of adding in and crowding out and how that works and what that means. So how that works and what that means <laughs> is that let's say, so I, I, again, I'll use myself as an example, right? So for the first 17, 18 roughly years of my life, the way that I say it is I treated my body like a trash can. And I really, I feel like I really did, meaning I was so mindless around what I consumed. I had zero intention, zero connection, zero alignment. And I had really just, I I didn't know what I was eating. I didn't care. And I treated my body like a trash can. I was just kind of like, here, take whatever. And 
I never chose food based on nutrition. I never chose food based on how it would affect my body or my mood or my day or my sleep. There was no connection. So if I'm in that place where I've been eating whatever tastes good, just really just hyper palatable, tasty, delicious food because that's that really was the only way that I made decisions around food was what do I want and what tastes good. It was just pleasure. It was just reward. Ultimately, it was really survival, protection, comfort, and all of that emotionally. But we have to bring this back to the physical dimension. I was living in a physical body and the foods that I was eating did have an effect on my body physically and my health. So the reason I'm saying this is because from that place, from that point, where my body and the bacteria in my body was really always wanting and craving tasty processed food. Well, for me, it was the beginning of weight loss that put changing my diet on my radar. But so what started to happen, again, even though the weight loss in total was not the healthiest way, what started to happen was that I was kind of forcing myself in the beginning to eat a little bit more of the quote-unquote good stuff, the healthy stuff, the real whole natural food stuff. And it was a learning curve for my body. And so I want to say all of this because it's very nuanced and it's very tricky because there is a lot of value to not being in a kind of forceful relationship with yourself around food. We don't want to be forcing you to do anything, whether it's eating something or not eating something. And there is also the physical reality of the body and the bacteria that live within it. And so I'm saying this because, like, for example, John Gabriel would sometimes talk about eating food like it's medicine. When he would talk specifically, I have these memories of him talking about sauerkraut and how sauerkraut, because it's fermented and it's good for your gut and it can help heal leaky gut and these things, et cetera, that might be an issue physically. He was saying that sometimes the resistance to that is, well, I don't like the taste of sauerkraut. Like, I don't like it. And what he would say to that is, that's okay. You don't have to like it. It's good for you. <laughs> it's good for your body. It's good for your gut. It's good for your health. You don't have to like the taste of it. You're not eating it for the taste of it. You're eating it for the nutritional benefit and for the value of what's in it. So it's okay. And he would say it's kind of like, you know, something like taking a shot of wheatgrass or something like that, that if you've ever done, you know how disgusting it can taste. And to have a relationship with that where it's like, well, I don't want one because I don't like the taste of it that's okay. You're not eating food for pleasure and reward and comfort. You're eating food for nutritional value. It's just a very different way of thinking about it. And so adding in and crowding out the whole concept is really rooted in the fact that it may take some time for your body and the bacteria in your body to adjust to the new way of eating. And if you're used to eating really sugary, high calorie, high fat, hyper palatable food, and then you start introducing stuff like fruits and vegetables, it's valid that you don't feel like it. It's okay that your body doesn't quote unquote like it yet. Because there really is something to be said for the two, three week period where if you just keep adding in, adding in, adding in more real, whole, natural, healthy food, 
you will naturally and organically start to crowd out that bacteria that wants more hyperpalatable and processed food. And so again, I really do believe with and align with the belief around eating food, not necessarily just because it tastes good and you feel like it, right? That's more emotional eating, but really to start thinking about food in the physical dimension as something that you can fuel yourself with and think more about food being medicine than than anything. So it's kind of like what I was saying last time where if you want to listen to your body and eat intuitively and you try to do that but you find that you're mostly eating uncontrollably, for a lot of us it really means that we're still in our brain and we're associated with a brain that wants the food more like a drug than for food purposes. And so it's very much the same as as this that is if you're feeding yourself certain foods and you don't like it or you don't feel like it or they don't taste good that doesn't always mean you're quote unquote on a diet or you're coming from a place of fear or you're being cruel to yourself it's just that sometimes given the physical reality of the body that you're living in you have to choose to initiate the process and the way that I think about this is like, it's kind of like if you tell your kid to put their phone away at the dinner table whenever they feel like it, <laughs> right? It's like with all the love in the world, if you have a teenager especially, you know, that's just an unrealistic expectation in the first place. And it's not your kid's fault that the phone is addictive, but you also want to be real about the boundaries that you're setting. And if you say to your kid, just put your phone down whenever you feel like it, Whenever it feels comfortable for you to just like get off social media and put the phone away to be with your parents, well, just do, just do it when you feel like it. <laughs> That's, it's kind of like that, where we have to just, again, understand that we're not always going to necessarily feel like eating the food that is best for nutritional value, especially if that's not where we're coming from. We just want to be honest and real about what's going on with our bodies physically as well as emotionally. And the last thing there is if you feel, you know, it's similar to if you've ever done any kind of detox. And again, that's not coming from like a diet culture perspective kind of detox. But if you've ever tried to um, go without sugar, let's say for a week or two weeks and you take sugar out of everything, the withdrawal is real like really real. Same with if you've ever tried to go on a caffeine detox, right? The withdrawal is real. And so you might say, well, I don't feel like doing this. This doesn't feel good, right? But a couple days later, a couple weeks later, it feels amazing. You feel like you have your life back. You don't feel so addicted to food. You have more energy. You're sleeping better. Your skin is clearer. Things are just feeling good. And so in some ways, it's very much like that. It's really about seeing the bigger picture and choosing the delayed gratification of maybe right now it doesn't feel so good when you eat a vegetable or you eat a fruit. Maybe your body really doesn't want that and that's okay. But having that in mind, that is you're, you're playing the long game here and you're not about all immediate gratification doing what just feels good to you right now. There is some space for thinking of food like medicine and eating it for those purposes. And ultimately, if you've ever worked with me before, you know that the example that I give around this is sometimes we eat our vegetables the same way we take ourselves to the dentist. 
because if we don't do it, no one else is going to. And ultimately, as an adult, you are responsible for yourself, your health, your nutrition, your body, as you are responsible for the maintenance and hygiene of your teeth and your mouth. And you go to the dentist even though you don't feel like it and even though you don't like it and even though it's uncomfortable and even though sometimes it hurts, you do the thing because you have to to take care of yourself for the long-term benefit. And so just having some space for, uh, it's hard to say the word forcing yourself to do something, but I certainly force myself to go to the dentist because again, I'm taking care of myself. And so just leaving some room for that to be in the conversation around food in a way that is not diet culture, in a way that is not white knuckling and fear-based, but in a way that is really looking at the big picture, looking at the fact that you are living in your life for the rest of your, in your body for the rest of your life, and it's yours to take care of. So this is part of how we take care of it. Now, having said all of those things, <laughs> now that we've talked about bio-individuality and we've talked about adding in and crowding out and we've talked about the fact that all foods do have equal moral value, however, they don't have the same nutritional or neurobiological value, I think we can start to have the conversation about nutrition and food. So the way I like to talk about this is it's almost as if you can strip yourself right now of the identity of human being, even though we know that you're a human and we just had to have all of that conversation from a human perspective. What I want you to do now is play a game with me. Just come on a journey with me. Imagine, visualize that you are an alien. You get to pick whatever color you want to be. You get to look however you want to look as an alien. You get to have as many eyeballs as you want. You get to do whatever but you are an alien and you are coming from a foreign planet. You get to name it whatever you want. It gets to be wherever you want in our galaxy. You get to have all the freedom around this. And so you're an alien and you're coming from another planet and you have just landed on earth and you have no idea how human beings work. And the tricky thing about this is that when you landed on Earth, you were given a human body. And now, instead of your alien body just existing on whatever it existed on on your planet, now you're a human body and you're on Earth. And your job is to figure out how to do it. How do you take care of a human body? How do you live in a human body? What are the things that you have to do? What are the things you have to not do? What is the information that you need to make sure that you can survive here? Okay, so that's how we're going to start this conversation. And what that means is that I am going to teach you some of the things I know about living in my body. That is my earth suit. You were given an earth suit. And now you want to know how to do it. So I'm going to tell you some things about how to take care of your earth suit. But this means that you're starting from scratch. You have a clean slate. You just got to earth. And this is day one of human school. Okay? So let go. Allow yourself to just release in this moment everything about nutrition, food, eating that you know and just be open to learning from a clean slate, from the basics, 101, how do we human? 
How do we do life in the earth suit? All right. Welcome to human school. This is so exciting. Welcome to earth. We're so happy to have you. And the first thing that we're going to talk about today is basic functioning and maintenance. So you're in a human body, you have absolutely no idea how it works. And the first thing that I want to cover is basic functioning and maintenance. So how do you just do it? Well, there are certain things that we need to survive. We need water. We need energy that comes from calories. So calories are in food. We need rest. And there are other things we need in terms of the emotional component like connection and support and feeling our feelings and all of that stuff but today we're focusing on the physical so how do you take care of the meat suit the earth suit that you're wearing and those are the things that we need and in the kind of umbrella category of energy and calories those things come from food food is what you feed yourself and food can be broken down into a couple a few different um categories. The first is what we call macronutrients. Macronutrients are protein, carbohydrates, and fat. All the foods that you eat here on planet earth are one, two, or three of those things. All the food you eat are those three things, protein, carbs, and fat. So the important thing about those is that they all do a different thing in the body. So part of the reason we all need a balance of protein, carbs, and fat is because they have different jobs and they function differently. So just in a very brief way, our protein is, for example, what what builds our muscles, whereas carbohydrates are the first source of energy that the body's going to use. And actually what happens is if you don't get enough carbohydrates, not only do you get kind of dizzy and lightheaded and grumpy, but then the body goes to our muscles to survive and it kind of eats away at the muscles. So we need a healthy balance of carbohydrates, including fruits and vegetables, and we also need protein and we need fat. So fat is really good for the lubrication of just kind of cells, but also brain function. Our brain is made up largely of fat. And so protein, carbs, and fats, they do different things, and we need a balance of all of them. Those are our macronutrients. Now, having said that, there's also things that aren't always considered in the macronutrient category. Those are micronutrients. These are things like vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, things like that. So those are the things that can keep us healthy and we need to have a balance of macronutrients and micronutrients. So making sure that we're not just getting enough carbs, protein, and fat, but that we're also filling our bodies with nutrition such as vitamins and minerals and the things on that, on that level as well. So all of these things create a balanced system internally and externally. And when we're missing any of these nutrients, including rest, including water, our bodies can find other ways to compensate. And so that's why we have to make sure that we're getting all of these needs met and just kind of starting there. This is how we start to take care of the meat suit that you're living in. Now, having said all of that, just to zone in a little bit on the food conversation and talk about eating and what we're eating and why we're eating certain things, I will invite you to put your human hat back on for a second and think about a car, okay? So think about the coolest, sexiest, most awesome car that you have ever seen. 
And imagine for a moment that your body, the earth suit that you're living in, is like the coolest car that you've ever seen. Okay, so now that you are in charge of this car and this car is your responsibility and you love it so much because it's so awesome and it takes you everywhere that you want to go, it really is the vessel through which that you live your life and create your life, right? You love your car so much. (laughs) So when you go to the gas station, the question becomes, if you go to the gas station, what kind of gas, what kind of fuel do you put in your car? Do you put the kind of fuel in your car that, I mean, it'll, it'll save you some money. It's pretty cheap and it'll get you from A to B. So you're good. Or do you want to spend a little bit for you to make sure that not only you get from A to B, but that you don't run into any issues on the way there. You feel good doing it. It's a smooth drive. And the gas that you put in your engine helps, helps you know that your car will run for a long time. You're going to have a long life with that car because of the the gas that you're putting into the engine okay so just imagine sometimes with your clean slate when you think about food and eating and why to eat certain foods why not to eat certain foods it's not about good and bad and right and wrong and should and shouldn't and pride and shame and safety and danger and all that stuff it's not that it's because you're a car and you are a sexy car at that and you want to drive your car for a long time and you want it to be a smooth ride and in order for your car to run in a functional way that also feels good you have to be mindful of the gas that you're putting in it okay so if you need a place to start with your human brain in terms of how do we think about food how do we think about eating how do i think about nutrition Always go back to the metaphor that you are a car and you are feeding yourself with gas, gasoline that's going to help you have a smoother time and enjoy yourself on the ride of life. Now, you're welcome to leave on your human hat. You're welcome to also bring on your alien hat, whatever works for you in this conversation. (laughs) But having said all of that, why do we eat healthy food, quote unquote, healthy food, real, whole, natural food from the earth? Why do we do it? Well, again, it's not for shame. It's not for pride. It's not to be good. It's not to abide by diet culture. It's not any of that stuff. The real reasons that we eat healthy food and the reason that we need to choose certain foods over others in some cases is for the sake of our body. So to fuel our bodies and set them up for success and thrival, to live our life the way we want to live them. So fuel to avoid disease and health-related issues as much as possible, and to minimize pain, discomfort, and unnecessary stress. So notice that none of these have anything to do with your appearance. This is not about how you look. This is not about your weight or aesthetic. And it also has nothing to do with other people. You're not eating the food that you're eating because other people told you to or other people think it's good for you or other people said you should. This is about you setting up your body for success, avoiding pain and discomfort that is unnecessary, and really just taking care of yourself. So now that we're clear on the mindset around why we're doing what we're doing, I'm going to share some things with you that made it helpful for me, and really it feels like possible for me, to shift out of a very weight-oriented mindset and really into a health-oriented mindset. 
And those aren't just the more general things like think of yourself as a sexy car that you want to ride for a long time. But really, again, the mentality now integrating it to when you're going grocery shopping, when you're sitting at the table, like what are the things that you want to be thinking about so that you're, you have this perspective of your body is your home, your body is your earth suit, and you want to treat it in a way that's going to feel good. And honestly, also just respectful. You want to treat yourself with food in a way that feels like you're respecting your home and respecting your body and not just giving yourself what you want in the moment. You're not just responding to how it feels, but you're also considering what it's going to do to your home. So having said all of that, I am going to share with you some of the things that I found it extremely helpful to think about when I was buying food and going grocery shopping. Again, just getting my mind in a healthy place around this. And the first thing is when you're going grocery shopping, you want to think more about the ingredients of your food than the calories of your food. And what that really means is you want to be thinking about where your food came from. So the ingredients are important, but also just having an awareness of what the food is made of actually, rather than how many calories is in it. And that way, you're thinking more about the quality of your food than the quantity of your food. And it's more about just the basic understanding of what you're putting in your body, what you're putting in your vessel, what you're putting in your home, rather than quantifying it and creating a sense of is this good bad right wrong enough too much kind of all of that conversation you get to leave behind and take that energy and instead focus on the ingredients now part of the reason this is helpful is because i think about a food like granola for example i love granola and granola is very often marketed as a health food and In some ways, sure, again, we're not going to get too sticky about the definition of health. But if you think, right, if you look at the package of granola and it says all of the things like it's healthy and it's organic and it's natural. And by the way, what do those words even mean? But then you flip over the package and you just look at the actual factual list of ingredients. You might find very often the first one is sugar. And I'm not here to demonize sugar, but I am here to help kind of wake us up to what we're putting in our body. And so I say this because it's more helpful to start focusing on something like the ingredients to see what's actually in your food rather than portion controlling it so that it's only a certain number of calories. So that's just the number one thing when you're going grocery shopping, having an awareness Again, not just that you're counting your food, but that you're seeing where it came from and what it actually is. Having that connection with your food so that you know what you're, again, putting inside yourself. The one tip around that that is not just for the ingredients, but about food in general, is you really want to consider the source. So the source of the food, where did it come from? And in some ways, this is kind of common sense. Like we can think about fruits and vegetables, right? Well, where did it come from? A tree, a bush, branch, a crop. These are things that came from the earth. Whereas something like a box of cookies came from a factory. That's where that was created. So having some awareness again, and just shifting the intention to eat food from the earth, not from a place of good and bad and right and wrong, but because 
your earth suit that was designed to live on earth was actually designed to eat those foods and digest those foods. So some tips that can be helpful around just thinking about the source of your food and where it came from is one that I love is if you see a commercial for it, like if you were to turn on the TV and see a commercial for a food, that means it was made for profit. And that's part of the consumerist capitalist culture that we live in. But it's also good awareness that do you ever wonder why you don't see commercials for avocados? and broccoli (laughs) because there is no corporation invested in you eating those things and so if you see a commercial for it that's just good information that is that company probably is not invested in your health and well-being as much as they're invested in you buying their products so they can make more of a profit and that's just true There is no judgment there. There's no shame there. That's the way the world works. But when it comes to feeding yourself and what you choose to put in your body, you want to be mindful about, right, is this created for someone else's profit or was this created with your health in mind? Sometimes those are the same and most likely they're not. So thinking about things like commercials and advertisements, right? Does it have a billboard, et cetera? But another helpful rule that I kind of like to think about is, If your great-grandparent wouldn't recognize it, then it probably isn't a real food. (laughs) And that's just helpful because, right, if you think about like Cheez-Its and donuts and my favorite example, Oreos, if your great-grandparent would not recognize it, well, those are probably things that were created in a factory or manufactured in some way and is probably most likely not a real food that your human body was probably most likely not designed to eat and digest. So those can be helpful. Now, having said that, the other thing that, again, I think is just good information for you to have is if you are living in the United States anyway, this is not true in other countries, fortunately, for you guys in other countries, Um, but if you're living in the United States, it is important to know that around 85% of every grocery store is not real food. And again, that's not coming from a place of shame or blame or judgment or criticism. It's coming from a place of education and empowerment. That is, you should know that when you go into a grocery store, 85% of it roughly is not real food, but they are food-like products. And that's, I think, an important distinction. So when we think about real food, we're talking about from the earth, from nature, designed for the human body. But what I mean by a food-like product is, again, kind of anything in a carton or a jar or a box or a bag, anything that was manufactured. And that's about 85% of the grocery store. So we don't need to be afraid of those foods. We don't need to demonize those foods. They're not bad foods, but they're also not real foods. So it's just knowing that and being armed with that kind of knowledge And when I used to work, so when I used to work with a medical doctor and we were teaching families about nutrition and these things, she would kind of joke about how um, when you're going through the aisles of a grocery store in the United States anyway, one of the only things that actually is nutritious and healthy and real is the whole... old-fashioned oats (laughs) so she would make this joke about kind of running through the cereal aisle and just grabbing the oatmeal and like running through the rest of it because the rest of it is really just um 
sugar in a bowl. And right, it tastes really good and there's nothing wrong with eating those things. But we want to know that when you're going through something like the cereal aisle, most of it is not real food. And most of it, the first ingredient or at least one of the first three ingredients will be sugar. You just want to be armed with this information because knowledge is power, ultimately. So when 85% of the grocery store is not real food, how do you shop in a grocery store (laughs) in a way that makes sense? Well, mm, here it comes. Drum roll, please. Something I'm sure you've heard before, but from a very different place. That is the tip of shopping the perimeter of the grocery store. So the perimeter is where we're going to find things like our produce, the real whole natural healthy foods. You can pick up some eggs, milk, yogurt, bread, the things like that. But the the purpose here, again, is to just kind of stay in the area where you're surrounded by mostly real food so that we don't have to go through that game of kind of dodging the temptation and Um, really just being tempted to eat things that aren't so good for us because they're tasty and they're great and we love them. But when you're going shopping, it can be helpful to stick primarily to the perimeter just to keep yourself in that zone where the food is mostly real. And I do just have to shout out that I completely understand and really, really want to validate that when I have this conversation and I'm starting to talk about nutrition and I say something like shop the perimeter, that can bring up a lot of old diet stuff. Fear of diets, fear of diet culture, this sounding just like a diet, etc. And again, I just want to normalize that and validate that because I completely hear it and I get it. And we're going to talk about this more in upcoming episodes, but there is a difference between shopping the perimeter out of fear and shopping the perimeter out of love. And that, again, is something we're going to talk about in way more detail and just open up the conversation for way more. But that's what I want you to know right now is we're not talking about shopping the perimeter because you have to or you should you should, or you're bad if you don't or anything like that. We're talking about shopping the perimeter because 85% of the grocery store isn't real food. And that's just the truth. So it's a tip. It's not a rule. It's not a, you know, it's it's not a hard and fast you have to or you should. But if you do want to go into a grocery store and make it a little bit easier for yourself to just navigate through, that's one thing that has been helpful for me. Now, again, for the sake of physical health, I'm not talking about holistic health and well-being right now. I'm talking about the physical health of your body. When you're going grocery shopping, you want to look for foods that are unprocessed and just in their most raw form. So that could mean like meat, for example, if you're a meat eater, going and getting things from the deli counter versus the pre-packaged stuff that's hanging up. So leaner proteins like chicken and turkey and then looking for the same thing around cheese and fish just unprocessed and more raw if you can same is true for nuts and seeds as well those are things that can come roasted salted etc but in its most unprocessed form is the best for our bodies it it has the least amount of um, toxins chemicals etc from the processing process <laughs> so it's really just healthy for us to be eating things as much as we can in their natural state now another thing that I personally felt was important in my education around food was a conversation about whole grains 
and what that really means and why it's actually healthy and a nutritious choice to choose something like whole grains or whole wheat over something like white bread, white flour. And the reason for that is when we have whole grains, they have more fiber and they keep us full longer. There are more vitamins and minerals than anything like white bread or white flour, white pasta, because in the process of processing, again, <laughs> white flour, white bread, that process strips off the layers of nutrition ultimately the refining process strips the grain of their bran and their germ thereby removing the fiber antioxidants minerals and other health protective compounds like we were talking about earlier those micronutrients so this is again an example of you could be eating whole wheat bread for example out of love or out of fear i'm not talking about whole wheat in this conversation because white bread is bad or shameful or makes you a bad person or any of those things. But I am talking about it because there is a difference in their nutritional value. And so this is, again, you can hear where we start to kind of trigger that diet culture brain. And it feels like, you know, I might be your mom telling you to eat whole wheat bread when you're eight years old. Um, and it feels that way. But that's not what this conversation is about. This is about the fact that there is a nutritional difference in those two choices. And again, I don't care at all <laughs> what you choose to eat, but I do want you to know what you're eating. And the important thing, again, if you're going grocery shopping in the United States, you want to look for 100% whole grains. And on some uh, on some packages, that's a yellow sticker that has a 100% sign. But again, this is something I learned working with the medical doctor. That is, there are a lot of uh, companies in the United States, again, that will take white bread and then add food coloring into it so that it looks like whole wheat bread. Okay, so again, it just comes back to the importance of you flipping over the package and looking at the ingredients. Because if the first thing, if you pick a package of bread off the off the shelf because it looks like whole wheat and then you look at the ingredients you might find that the first ingredient is white flour and then you'll see that there's food coloring in it so it's just important again that you're empowered and educated about what you're choosing and what you put into your mouth and the important thing is that a hundred percent whole grain if there's a hundred percent whole grain uh, sticker or you see the number 100 percent that means the whole grain is actually used and it's not kind of a combination of all these other things and it's not white flour so it's just again a helpful tip that is if you can choose whole wheat flour 100 percent whole wheat bread 100 percent whole wheat tortillas something like that um it's going to give you more bang for your buck so to speak in terms of nutritional value this is not about calories or anything like that um, and on that note of whole grains, healthy whole grains are things like I mentioned, oatmeal, brown rice, quinoa, and 100% whole wheat bread, pasta, anything like that. Um, so again, just shouting out, this is not about avoiding, restricting, or eliminating certain things. It is about adding value, adding nutrition, adding nourishment wherever you can. And in a general sense, what that means for some of us is also fewer things like I mentioned, cereals and white bread and white flour and things like that. Um, so that's that's kind of just the, the note on whole grains. And again, that there is eating whole grains out of love and eating whole grains out of fear. And that's an important distinction we'll keep talking about. Um, in a general sense, I think it also is important to note that fried food 
is just, again, not really helpful for the digestion. We're not really designed to be eating food that is fried. So if you're someone that loves fried food, just something to be mindful of, not something you have to avoid or restrict, but notice how it feels when you're eating certain foods and see how fried foods are affecting you. And having said that, just some other things that I, again, personally found really helpful information. Um, there is a, an underrated, in my opinion, amount of sugar in ketchup. There are um, studies and research that suggest uh, childhood obesity and ketchup are have a direct correlation between the two. So again, it's something that I'm not saying don't eat ketchup. I'm a ketchup fan myself. But Ketchup tends to be one of those things that we just kind of like put on everything or add to everything or have on the side of everything. So if you're one of those people who loves ketchup on everything, what I'm saying is you want to be mindful of how much you're using and just be aware of that because there is, again, just the just the consequence of that. And if we're adding sugar and sugar and sugar on the side of every plate just because we like it, sometimes it means that we're not really mindful about it. So just notice that. And then when it comes to dairy, things like unflavored dairy are probably going to be healthier or better for your body than anything flavored. So an example I always go to is yogurt. I'm a yogurt person personally. And instead of buying the blueberry flavored yogurt, what I'll do is get regular unflavored unsweetened yogurt, add my own blueberries. And if I need a little more sweet, maybe honey. Honey comes, again, from the earth. It's not about avoiding sweet. It's just about thinking about where those things come from, what that source is. Um, And I personally like cinnamon. I like cinnamon on basically everything. So I will throw that in there too. So just thinking of ways of taking things like a blueberry-flavored yogurt and maybe how can you create that more organically, more naturally. Um, same is same is true for any kind of milk. If you're a milk person, uh, just going unflavored and natural. And then ultimately, when it comes to something like fruits and vegetables, fair game. Obviously, we we want fruits and vegetables. We want to be adding those things in. But I do also just want to shout out the beauty of the option of frozen fruits and frozen vegetables. Um, it is a myth in the world of nutrition that if you buy things frozen, they don't have as much value and they're not as nutritious. The actual opposite um, is true. That is, most of the time, those things are picked right off the plant and frozen. So they actually have a lot of nutritional value and they are great for us. So I love fruits and vegetables um, frozen because they just, they make life easy, man. Like, let's just get convenient about it. And sometimes if the only way that eating fruits and vegetables is going to happen is if you throw them in a microwave or something then they were sitting in the freezer, go ahead and do that. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Don't feel bad about having frozen fruits and vegetables. Those are, that's a chef's kiss for you. Now, just briefly on that note, because I think one of the questions I get all the time around fruits and vegetables is buying organic or not. And what that means is, so fruits that you buy organic Uh, were raised naturally or grown naturally and not used any chemicals or pesticides on them. Foods that we buy not organic are typically typically used pesticides and chemicals in the process of growing them. So the first thing that I want to clarify here is that let's say you take an apple that is organic and an apple that is not organic. Sometimes this conversation gets lost in people debating, does one have more nutritional value than the other? And 
that's not really what the conversation's about because that apple is going to have the same nutritional value no matter what, whether it's organic or inorganic. The contents and the nutrition of the actual apple doesn't change. What changes is what's on top of the apple, what is covering the apple. And if you're buying an apple that's organic, it doesn't have chemicals and pesticides grown up with it. If you're buying an apple that is not organic, it means that there probably are chemicals and pesticides involved in that process. So that's what it means. It's not about the nutritional value. It's about are you adding chemicals or not ultimately. And so the guide around buying organic or not is usually the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. The clean 15 are mostly fruits and vegetables that are safe to buy not organically. So things that have, the way I think about it is if it has like a hard shell or cover or some sort of peel. So we're talking cantaloupes, we're talking bananas, we're talking avocados, things that have that kind of outer shell that you peel away. Those are things that are really safe to buy really in any way because you're taking off the skin. But things that are more the dirty dozen are things like strawberries, uh, all berries really, apples, grapes, uh, spinach, things like that because those tend to have the most pesticides and chemicals from the process. So look up if you're interested in learning more about that. You can just look up the Dirty Dozen Clean 15 as just kind of a guide around organic produce or not. But I think because we're having this conversation from a holistic health standpoint, something that I always want to talk about and something that's come up in my group program too is, you know, if I say something about the dirty dozen or clean 15, it doesn't mean that buying certain foods is worth you breaking the bank, so to speak. So then the question becomes, right, well, I want to buy organic food because I care about the pesticides and the chemicals being in my food, but it's so much more expensive. It doesn't fit into my budget and I can't swing it. Well, don't let that stress you out because again, financial health is part of your health and what you are is balancing. What you're balancing is mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, social health and financial health. So if it feels like it's not possible to buy all organic. That's totally okay. You don't have to. Just be mindful. Just be aware. And maybe you wash your apple a little bit longer before you eat it. So don't let this conversation stress you out. Don't go into that place of good and bad and right and wrong and all of that. It's just knowledge. It's just information so that you can be empowered in how you choose to shop and eat. Now, the last things that I'm going to share with you today on this conversation are just some pointers around mealtimes in general, and also just a couple last words in terms of how to integrate this mindset. So what should you be thinking about? Because once we've covered this stuff around the food, you can see that the actual food, as far as the physical dimension, what to eat, how nutrition works, that's not really the hard part. Most of you probably, if you're listening to this, have heard most of this. But the thing that is important and I think largely missing from this conversation is the way to think about it. How do we make it feel safe? How do we make it feel like it's from a place of love? And that's what I want to share with you. The first thing is when you are, now you've left the grocery store, you have your food and you are going home and now you're in charge of putting the meals together. So like I was saying before about macronutrients, I personally do believe it's important to have a balance of carbs, protein, and fat because they do different jobs and we need all of them. 
to be balanced. So the key right now for you is eating more whole natural foods from different food groups. So different macronutrients. And in a general sense, not having or eating less of processed, high fat, high sugar foods, hyper palatable foods. And ultimately what that means, as we've talked about before, is eating for fuel and nourishment and health, not eating just for pleasure, enjoyment and reward. And so that looks for a lot of us like a variety from different food groups. So we don't want to be eating the same exact thing every day just because, again, our body needs variety and diversity. But right now, again, the focus should be on eating enough nutrient-dense food. So we don't want to be restricting or eliminating anything, but we do want to be thinking about adding in so we can crowd out. And Another tip is just staying hydrated throughout the day. So that's part of health, right? We mentioned water and the need for hydration. Drinking before and after meals can be helpful. That was another thing that I learned along the way. I used to drink a lot at meals and it can kind of mess with digestion. So just seeing how that feels for you. But ultimately, noticing how foods feel and really what foods make you feel good and what foods don't make you feel so good internally. And this goes back to the conversation of being rather than doing. Instead of thinking about food and its value and its macronutrient content and all of the calorie stuff and all of that kind of quantifying food, instead of the doing around food, actually practicing being around food, eating whatever it is you want to eat, and then noticing how that makes you feel in your body, noticing how that feels in your brain. How does it feel emotionally? How does it feel energetically? How, just how does it feel? And just coming back into that understanding and that practice of you being a human being around food, not just thinking about it, but experiencing it and starting to make choices using that information that's coming from your body. Ooh, I ate that and that made me feel like I had a stomach ache. Ooh, I ate that and I felt so energized after. Just noticing what is true for you. And having, again, the awareness and the acceptance that some foods that are higher in fat, calories, sugar, salt, tend to lower our energy levels. Maybe we have a sugar high, but then we crash. So just noticing kind of, again, how things are, are affecting you. And ultimately, if you want something to aim for, if you want to have a goal right now, the goal right now is not eliminating or restricting anything, but again, adding and so what that means is when you right you went to the grocery store you got your groceries for health because you're a sexy car and you want to last forever and when you're putting your meals together just thinking about okay so this is what I would normally eat right now can I add a fruit can I add a vegetable can I just start adding things in that's the mentality you want to have right now because again adding in and crowding out is a real process that really works we just have to do it it works if you work it like any, anything else. So again, just giving you a granular example of what this looks like. When I was working with a client one-on-one -on -one and she was sharing with me that, you know, she was really upset kind of about how her eating habits were at the time. And the example that she gave me was, and I, I know you're listening to this and thank you. I love you. That is her example was like, I don't think you understand, Lisa. You know, I'm eating popcorn for dinner. I'm just, I'm eating a bag of popcorn for dinner. That can't be okay. And with the adding in, crowding out mentality, 
everything is okay. Of course it's okay. You're eating popcorn for dinner. It is absolutely okay. And the reason that we have to know that and say that and really accept and embody that is because when you say to yourself, it's not okay, you're really saying that you're not safe. And so we have to just first accept that it's all okay. You're eating popcorn for dinner. All right, fine. You know, you could do worse things. It's okay. It's all okay. It's not a big deal. But from that place of acceptance, the question is, what can I add? And so my question to her was, can you keep the popcorn the same? Can you just let that be fine? But can you also maybe eat an apple with it so that you're eating a bag of popcorn and an apple for dinner? How would that be? And it's like, well, sure, you know, that's possible. (laughs) I don't have to get rid of the popcorn. No, you're not getting rid of anything. You're not eliminating anything. You're not here to create the mentality of scarcity. You're not here to perpetuate the psychology and the physiology of fear. So that we accomplish that by putting the focus and the energy around adding, 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 adding fuel, adding nutrition, adding nourishment, adding health. So just as a kind of recap, in the old mentality, let's call it, When you're focusing primarily on your weight and the drive is external, is it right or wrong or good or bad, right? The judge is outside of you. Largely, the focus is on the quantity. How much am I eating? How many calories are in it? And the basis is usually restriction or restriction-based. So you have a list of the things you can't eat or the things you shouldn't eat or the things that aren't allowed or the things that would be too much. And ultimately, that's just coming from a place of scarcity. And so, right, you can just feel when you're in a place like that and you're looking out into the world and you're thinking about your relationship with food and the feeling of it is here's a list of all the things I can't do and all the things I can't have. That's the energy of scarcity. And so instead of all of that, You're going to practice now, if you choose to, replacing that way of thinking with a new way of thinking. That is, instead of focusing on your weight, you're focusing on your health. Instead of the judge being external and outside of you, it's internal. You're paying attention to how you feel physically as well as emotionally and energetically. And instead of focusing on the quantity of food in terms of numbers, you're focusing on the quality of food. Where did your food come from? Who made your food? Where is your food grown or manufactured, just looking at the quality. And then ultimately, instead of restricting, you're adding all of that energy that was based on creating the energy of scarcity. So all of that, all of the thoughts around this is what I can't have, this is what I shouldn't have. Now you're replacing that with, ooh, this is what I can have. This is what I quote unquote should have. These are the things that are going to fuel me. These are the things that are going to add nourishment and just having that mentality throughout the day so that you and your brain are working together in the energy of abundance. And ultimately what that means is the energy of safety. That is, you can't go wrong. You can eat everything you're already eating. You don't have to say no to anything. You don't have to eliminate or restrict anything. You are free to eat whatever it is that you want. And you are considering how things are going to make you feel energetically, physically, emotionally, etc. And just right now, you're practicing that mentality where you're safe no matter what. You are lovable and worthy and accepted no matter what you eat, no matter what you choose to do around food. This has nothing to do with your moral value or your worth as a human being. And you are starting to consider how things affect you how things affect you in the short term as well as the long term. And just being honest, letting this be a pathway into your own authenticity. That's how we're talking about food here. 
So like I said, having said all of this, having shared all of this, the conversation is just going to keep getting deeper around how we do this from a place of love, not from a place of fear. How can you do something like shop the perimeter without being so triggered? How can we have a conversation around you eating whole grains from a place of health, not weight? Because as you can probably tell just listening to this episode, that's where the conversation really lies. That to me is, that's where it gets juicy. And that's really where a lot of us are stuck. So my intention was to share these things in the physical dimension around food and nutrition so that we can kind of check the box and get it out of the way and have a shared understanding of why I'm saying what I'm saying so that you can again move into integrating this in your relationship with food when you're at the grocery store, when you're sitting at the dinner table, and it's not just stuff that makes sense in theory. (laughs) So I hope, I hope, I hope this episode was clarifying. I hope it was enlightening. I hope it was helpful. And please, as always, feel free to email me with any questions, any feedback, any requests, etc. Lisa at lisaschlossberg.com. And if, again, this stuff is resonating with you, if you want to hear more and you are interested in working together, please go to the outofthecave.health website and fill out one of those forms so that I can reach out to you and continue the conversation. And I do mean this. If you are here and you're kind of on the fence and you're kind of interested but you're not really sure, please, let's have a conversation. Just give me the opportunity to connect with you and know who you are. Um, And that, my friend... That's going to conclude our episode today. (laughs) I hope you have an amazing week. I hope you have the best time driving your sexy car. And I love you so much. I'll see you soon.